Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the We Believe to You Paranormal Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Michelle. And today we have a little deep dive for you guys. It's um, thematic, maybe, kind of, not really, I don't know. Uh, so Michelle just got back from her trip to Ireland, and Woo-hoo. I was Finally, like- three years later. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but it was worth the wait, huh? I mean, I would have preferred had it happened three years ago, <laughs> but um, with all the restrictions and stuff that they're putting because of COVID, yeah, it's best that, that we waited this long for sure. So, yeah, we decided, or I guess I decided, or no, no, you, you brought, you, you chose the, the, the topic and you're like, let's do this. I was like, cool, let's do it. And then like, she was over there and she's like, yeah, I don't think there's many things like so it's it's yeah i was telling eric that it's so weird i mean obviously a lot of those you know places and buildings like ireland is older you know i I don't want to say older than the u.s because obviously it's been around just but like native americans and whatnot but as far as like the buildings and whatnot and like it reminded me a lot of of uh new orleans where like it's like old and it's got this kind of creepy vibe to it a little bit. So you're like, oh, this has to be haunted. And then I would Google like, oh, okay, like ghosts of, you know, wherever that we were at. And it's like nothing would come up. I'm like, bullshit. (laughs) This place has to be haunted. It's got a vibe. It's so old. Um, And this jail was one of them too. But um, anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. But No, you're good. And then so I like I Googled the jail and uh I found a couple ghost stories. So this deep dive, guys, is going to be this. It's going to be a little bit different than what we normally do, uh, which I think is fine. Uh, But it's going to be Michelle talking about her trip. And then it's going to be us talking about the history of the jail. And Michelle can jump in at any point if she doesn't, you know, go over the part herself where we talk about the history. And then we'll talk about <clears throat> a little bit of the ghost stuff there at the end, like some of the things that people experienced in that jail. So that's going to be what this deep dive is going to be today. Uh, yeah. It's going to be so. Okay, so the topic is the uh, or what we're deep diving today is a uh, Kilmenham Jail or what, how's it pronounced? Uh, well, I don't know because they always like pro- said it properly, but it's like Kil- Kilmenham. Kilmainham Jail. So that's what that's how I thought it was, and then I heard a pronunciation, and it was different. So uh, we'll yeah. go with Kilmainham. I mm. I I'll be completely honest. Like, and I think I think the first time, uh, because I mean we, we would take cabs when we we're in in Dublin in particular, because it's you know you can, um, but I I can't remember now how Carlos had pronounced jail. Go get gaul or yeah something yeah something like that because it's spelled G A O L L yeah and so yeah so he said it's something like that and and the taxi driver was like oh like Kilmainham Jail and obviously they say it correctly it's like someone trying to say jalapeno like yeah anyway so but anyway. Carlos, like we got out of the taxi and Carlos is so embarrassed. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe I said it this way. Like it's just pronounced jail. And it's like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I literally. Mean, I, didn't know, I didn't know that either, but yeah. Yeah. So I, so the same thing happened to me as I was doing the research. I was like, 
so when you first sent it to me, I was like, okay. And I was like, uh, gowl or gowl or whatever. And, uh, I should have fucking known dude, because like, like the name Sersha, the way it's spelled, the way it sounds, the name Siobhan, the way it's spelled, the way it sounds, you know, uh, uh, just Things are, like are Irish yeah. names are, are crazy. <laughs> Irish letters are crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. So I was like, no, nah, I need to. I don't want to fuck this up on the podcast. I need to Google how to pronounce this well, how, how is gowl it? word. Oh, gowl. And uh, so I, I look it up on YouTube and it's just like a really creepy sounding dude like saying how to pronounce it. And it's like, jail. I'm like, what? Oh. I was like, are you <laughs> yeah, fucking kidding exactly. me? I was like, is this jail? Yeah. And exactly. yeah. So I was like, all right, well, jail, shit. Fuck. That's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we'll just go with Kilmainham. If that's how they were saying it, then, you know, I, I, I'm, I honest, I, I'm not, like, saying I'm, – I'm telling you, like, that's how we had said it. And, like, obviously, like, they can pronounce it correctly. But also sometimes – not always, I will uh, – but at least with this taxi uh, driver in particular, he had a very, like, heavier accent. So, mm-hmm. I – yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll go with it. that. At least we won't butcher jail. Yeah, well, <laughs> got the jail. Kill well, Kill is is uh probably gonna be not correct, but jail we got down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. fret not, guys. We're trying. <laughs> yeah. Um. Before we jump into that, it was uh, I we I have a, having a conversation with Tito. It's uh, his nickname. The guy, the guy, uh, one of the people that we I've been having conversations with on on Fridays oh, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh. Now, listener of the podcast. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so we were talking last night and we were talking about different things, a lot of different things. Um, but I told him I was going to mention this because I know you're very no Loch Ness monster, right? Uh Um, so I don't know if we've talked about this before and this kind of made me, okay, you know what, this might not (laughs) like the Loch Ness monster probably, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll jump to, I'll swing to Michelle's side. (laughs) Have you ever heard the theory that the first picture of the Loch Ness monster was a whale's penis. Oh my god. Uh I have not no. Okay. Now I'm gonna ask you to Google uh, Loch Ness Monster Whale's penis and no. tell me what you see and tell me if that does not look exactly like <clears throat> excuse me, exactly like what uh is in that first bl- uh black like silhouette photo. I mean, yeah, could definitely be that. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, no. I mean, it makes sense. I are there whales in Loch Ness? I don't know, but it's fucking crazy though. So I also uh, encourage our Absolutely. viewers who are over the age of eighteen. No, like, my God. See, I don't. You don't. I don't think. I don't think you need to be. It's an animal. It's a. You know, yeah. It's, it's nature. Uh. So Google it. Lock this monster whale's penis. And uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. Interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for that information. Um, I can definitely see that happening. And yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I didn't really <laughs> believe in in Nessie. But I, I will say, uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like Tito also mentioned, is like it doesn't mean that it didn't exist somewhere else or outside of Loch Ness. I mean, I think it definitely uh, 
existed in like prehistoric times, like those types of dinosaurs, but I don't know about now, but who knows? They did just discover like a second ocean under our ocean that exactly. is bigger we than our know. ocean. <laughs> so, <clears throat> like, have you seen Meg? Uh, yeah. Meg? Was it Meg, Meg or Megalodon? The sh- the movie? No. With the big ass shark? No. Yeah, that was like literally the whole thing of that movie was they uh, like this Megalodon shark comes out and then the way it had come out was because <clears throat> the ocean was like, so they were at the in depth, like super deep into the ocean and they got to a point where there was almost like this forest field that was being cre- like was created into like this bubble type underwater ocean where it was, I don't know if it was the salt water or if it was the temp, I think it was the temperature of the water or something like that where it created this barrier where all these creatures were in this bubble, kind of like in the whole Mario mm-hmm. thing, the way they got uh-huh. stuck in oh, their little old yeah, little world. Yeah. So they couldn't pass through that um, bubble, barrier. but I think like, like a submarine goes through. So it like kind of breaks the barrier and it starts mixing. So like, like mm-hmm. the Meg Megalodon shark was able to get out. So it was like, not completely that they went extinct. They mm-hmm. just got trapped in this, like all these prehistoric, uh, uh, sea creatures got stuck in this um, sea bubble. Interesting. So, yeah. No. Well, it was funny that you brought up Nessie, though, because while we're over there, uh, our our uncle, Theo Patrick, called. and uh, <laughs> Dude, he was talking to me about a bunch of Scottish shit. And I was like, bro, yeah. that's all Scottish <laughs> that's, stuff, That's what man. I'm going to say. That's oh. what I was going to say. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to see Nestle? Are you going to see Nestle? And I was like, Nestle is like the chocolate. I was like, I didn't know that. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I didn't know that was here in Ireland because like yeah. nothing ever popped up about like, oh, go visit the Nestle factory or whatever. <laughs> um, and so he kept saying Nestle, Nestle. And he's like, yeah, like that. And then that dinosaur. And then finally he was like, or oh, is that Scottish? I was like, oh, Nessie. Yes. The Loch Ness Monster that's mm. in Scotland. That's not here. But I, I will say, though. There is one, uh, well, just, just as we were getting in and getting our passport stamped, they're like, oh, like, where are you coming from? And we said Texas. And they're like, oh, like Texas. And they're like, are you going to explore the rest of the country? And they're like, yeah, we just decided to drive around. And she's like, oh, coming from Texas, I'm sure it's like nothing. And I'm like, it, it really isn't. Like going from Dublin, it, everything's about like two, well, we didn't go to Northern Ireland, but um, everything was like two and a half to three ish hours to get to. So we did kind of like a triangle, visited three cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, and that so it still only... feels like a long drive, but comparatively, um, it's short. I don't know. Yeah, like to to only have to drive two and a half hours and you're already on the other side of the country. Oh, shit. No, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Never mind. Like, you know, no, like we went from like Dublin, which is almost pretty much like eastern coast, all the way to Galway, which is the western coast. And that was like, yeah, well, granted, the roads roads got pretty fucking narrow at some points. So it took us closer to three hours because we slowed way the fuck down. Um, but yeah, so I mean, from one coast to the next coast was, like I said, about two and a half hours. And then to go down to the southern coast was like almost three hours, a little less than three hours, too. Um, so it was like we we got to see the east, the west and the southern coasts. Um, and it was all like two and a half to three hour drives. But yeah, that I didn't, I, like I was telling Eric, I, I had, I was like, we would go into a pub. I'm like, oh, for sure. There's haunted history here. And I'd try and Google and like nothing. 
and I was so bummed, but I did have a couple of experiences. One of them I'm going to wait for, like, as we get into the jail, um, because it happened the while we're at the jail. The gowl, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not making fun of Carlos, it's because I fucked up too. Like, that's no, literally how all, I was pronouncing it. Yeah, everyone was pronounced, like, yeah, us dumb Americans, that's how you would go about pronouncing it. Um, but I wanted to tell you about two, uh, and then I'll mention the third thing that happened while we're, because it, since it was at the jail. And I'm not saying that these experiences were, were paranormal per se, but they they just creeped me the fuck out. Um, but the, so the first one, we were at this uh, hotel in Cork, and it was very old, like, um, not old, like run down, but just everything was antique. Like everything was brand new and shiny, but uh, was just like vintagey feel to it, which was really cool. Except the floors were like wooden, and so you could hear everyone like the the creaking of the floorboards above you as you're trying to sleep, which kind of sucked. But um, overall, it was like super cool, and that was that was also one place that I was like, oh, for sure haunted, and immediately started googling. I'm like, how the fuck is there no haunted history here? Like I don't get it. <laughs> But no, so the, one of the elevators there was was busted and we had to use what I think was actually like a service elevator um, that maybe like just employees use because it was so small also, like literally only two people fit. And um, at one point... Two at normal size people because if I fit in there, it'd probably no. just be one. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, we... I can't remember what, what we were doing or where we were trying. I think we were just trying to get to the ground level um but instead of hitting like zero we hit one i don't i don't really remember all that to say is uh the door open and it was like more rooms but the lights in the hallway were off like it was just like pitch black and you could just see like the the hotel doors and i was like oh that's not and i freaked out so i was like that's not it and i like panicked because it's again (laughs) it's all vintage and like dark and creepy and I mean, it's a hotel. Like, why are the lights in the hallway off? Like, are people not in these rooms? Like, what is what's going on? Right. So it was creepy to have the door open and it's just like pitch black hotel hallway. I think whether it's an antique or an old vintage hotel or not, like, would that not scare you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to see? because then my my head would be like, OK, then the doors close and then they open back up almost immediately and you see somebody standing down the hallway and then it closes and opens back up and they're closer, closes yeah. and opens and back closer. And then like you do see them disappear and then they're behind you. So basically, I was expecting something to come out at me. So and, and I was like right, right in front of the door. So if something was going <laughs> to get us, it would have gotten me first. So I like backed up behind Carlos. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, that's creepy. And I'm like trying to press the button. So the doors close and I'm just like eyes wide, like staring, like waiting for something to pop up into the darkness. Again. Yeah. Like again, that wasn't paranormal. It was just, you know, creepy environment. And then just unexpected, like, wait, that's not supposed to, to happen. Or why, why are the lights off in the hallway? That was creepy. Um, and then the second thing that is hilarious, uh, but also, and again, I'm not claiming it to be paranormal because there are many different factors that could have played into it. And I, for my own sanity, I'm going to go with <laughs> um, some of some of those things because um, we. Oh, I was actually at O'Connor's restaurant uh, or nice. pub, I guess, um, and it was actually in Doolin, which is like j- near Galway, um, but where the Cliffs of Moher are. Um, 
And yeah, so it was O'Connor's Pub. And and it was funny, too, because Carlos was like, oh, like, what about uh, this pub, O'Connor's Pub? I'm like, O'Connor's? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yes, we have to go. Like, what? Like, oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even, like, process it that soon. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Um, so Good job, Carlos. I know. So we went to O'Connor's, uh, or Gus O'Connor's pub. Um, and again, all the pubs there are just old and, you know, have that authentic feeling, but I needed to go to the restroom, went to the restroom and, um, I'm sitting there and I start hearing this like woman humming or like, yeah, like it's, it's a hum. Cause she's not singing. There are no words. And it's all very like melodic, and I was like, "Oh, haha!" Like how creepy, because every restroom that I went into, too, I was like, "Watch, there's going to be like a bathroom ghost or like something, whatever." So I already have this in my head because all the restrooms are also super old <laughs> over there. And so I hear this woman like humming. I'm like, "Oh, haha!" There's the ghost, and then the lights fucking go off, Eric. The lights Dude. shut off. I have that thought. Not even two seconds later, the the lights in the restroom go off. I have never jumped up. That's some horror movie shit, dude. <laughs> I know exactly, and like I'm I'm grateful for that. Were you washing your hands at this time? No, dude. I was in a very vulnerable position, and I had to like jump up and like I was like it was very similar to when the lights flickered here in the closet. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly like, no, 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 immediately no, no, no. what I thought. <laughs> um, so I'm like getting up, doing my stuff, and like. As like the moment that I touch the the doorknob to like open the the thing is when lights the lights come turn back, back on. on. Yeah, yeah, had exactly. That before. Exactly, and the lights turn back on as soon as I'm like, okay, done. So obviously, I open the door and like nobody's there. Um, and and I say, I'm coming up with excuses. I want I want to believe that the lights are just on timers or something, and there needs to be movement. Although yeah. I did look around. And I didn't see anything, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell myself that. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, granted, if they are going off that quickly, then they're they need to like change those settings because like it it shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, it shouldn't have to be pissing in the dark. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you know that as far as the woman singing, they had the bathroom like windows open so you could actually hear the birds outside um like chirping and stuff so i just want to say that maybe it was a woman like outside the window humming for some reason or or whatever uh maybe like another worker they hum outside yeah totally so (laughs) was it at least an irish tune i have absolutely how would i know (laughs) i don't know did it sound irishy I mean that so that's why it was so creepy and why I joked to myself like ooh there's the ghost is because it was it was very like that creepy like melodic thing that you you would hear in a scary movie of mm-hmm. you know just like One, slow two, and, Freddy's coming for I mean, not like you that, but, oh. but you know you know what I mean like just yeah, very yeah. I got you. Would, it would it would definitely come out in a horror movie, and that's why I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, oh there's the ghost," and the fucking and the moment I had that thought, the lights go off, and I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then the other, I won't call it a paranormal, but it was creepy that when it happened, I'll, I'll, cause since it happened at the jail, I'll kind of talk about that once you get into it. But yeah, yeah. I was going to say the only nice thing about, uh, I guess that situation is the, the restrooms. I, I assume, I think I've heard about it like just in Europe in general, but, 
um, or in UK. Uh, I mean, yeah, they were, but no, they're very private. Uh, um, whereas the restroom stalls here, like you oh, can yeah, the see gaps. in the crack. Yeah, yeah. And you go over there, everything like there'll, there'll be, you know, an opening at the top and on the bottom, but they're both like either super high up or like super low, like a few inches kind of thing to the ground uh, so it, you're very much enclosed and like it's very private so mm-hmm. i was grateful for that that i wasn't gonna i wouldn't have been able to see well in this like one an in eye peeking through the yeah, crack like or, watching yeah you. exactly like or like <laughs> foot like a shadow of like footsteps or something below me like that i was grateful for at least i wouldn't like gray see that. wet feet like just poking something. through the bottom of the door yeah so that was like oh, thank god for privacy <laughs> i okay the only pretentious thing that i will say but because it's facts was i have never liked guinness i it's always been like too bitter any dark beer you know like that i've never been a huge fan of i can like sip it but i've never actually drank it mm-hmm. um tastes better over there it tastes so much better but the crazy thing is it tastes when when we went to the to the guinness like the actual factory where it started and everything um the storehouse is what it was called they at the at the end of the tour like the museum you can do uh or you get a free pint of guinness or it's included with your ticket and the whole time i was thinking like i'm not going to be able to drink it like carlos is probably gonna have to finish it or i'll like force myself to and then when we actually had the pint um i finished it like it was so easy to drink like so smooth not bitter at all whatsoever like just beautiful beautiful beer and i know it sounds super pretentious and eric i know that you know i've never really drank beer before so for me to mm-hmm. say that is no, i mean a to big be deal. fair though you've also drank started drinking a lot more beer and that's what i told carlos too i was like i think that i've like the flavor of beer has kind of grown on me um you know since since dating carlos because he's a beer snob uh but yeah, no, like I I could actually taste the difference. And then we would go to pubs and, and order a pint of Guinness. And that's the other funny thing is like, no, literally everyone in Ireland loves Guinness. And like mm-hmm. everyone will ask for Guinness and it's not, uh, what do you call it? Like a stereotypical thing? Like, no, it's just facts. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I had the whole pint and, and it was delicious. And uh, the only thing though is I did notice that Still, I think the best Guin- pint of Guinness I ever will have will be there at the storehouse because even at the pubs, it wasn't bad and it didn't like taste totally different. But there's definitely like a little bit of a bitterness to it at some of the pubs compared to just the smooth creaminess at the storehouse. That 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 kind of blew my mind. And again, I'm not a beer snob, but yeah, I'm wondering if it's just the amount of time that they have to be in the kegs. Yeah, that t- alters the taste. That's kind of what we were talking about, or thinking that it's like not that it's stale but it's i mean especially we haven't we haven't had a, a pint of guinness here in the states yet um but we definitely are like we want to to, to compare and see like if i have it and we're like oh yeah no i definitely don't like guinness in the states and then i can be a pretentious snob be like i only drink my guinness in ireland <laughs> oh my fucking god bro <laughs> Uh, I was thinking, oh, she stepped. She stepped in Ireland. It unlocked her Irish, more Irishness, and now she likes Guinness. Uh, well, we'll see. Like I said, I'm gonna, we're gonna taste it. Um, and, and I think, I think a lot of it too is the way that it's poured, because um, there's yeah. a very specific way that it should be poured, and mm-hmm. and 
well, I've never ordered Guinness here in the, in the States, like I said, so I'm not really sure if they actually, you know, follow that protocol for pouring. Well, I loved hearing about your trip. You should probably talk about the jail now. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the jail a little bit. So yeah, guys, this uh, Kilmainham jail, uh, and sorry if we butcher it like we've mentioned before, um, but it was a former prison in uh, Kilmainham in Dublin, Ireland, which is now a public museum. Uh, there is a ton of revolutionaries, uh, including leaders in the 1960 Easter Rising, that were imprisoned and executed in this prison um, by the orders of the UK government. And um, this this place, too, in particular, they made it very clear that it played a huge part in some of these like revolutions and, and stuff that were happening because it essentially created a lot of martyrs and there's a lot of very tragic stories that, that happened here. Um, some that we'll go over and some that like, if you go to the jail, you'll obviously find out more information too. But uh, it was first built in 1796 and it was called the new jail um, because it was meant to replace the old prison that was was in the area. It was officially called the County of Dublin Jail and was run by a grand jury for County Dublin. Hangings were originally done at the front gates to set an example for everybody. And uh, there was also executions done by shooting and gunfire that will kind of talk about some of them too and and i i took a few pictures of um the place we, we weren't supposed to be recording um so rebel yeah there's there's a couple of like just very quick snippets um that i did take but the photos themselves are, are pretty creepy uh, and i'll talk about why too from the 1820s and on very few hangings occurred in Kilmainham, either public or private. A small cell for hangings was built in the prison in 1891, and it was located on the first floor between the west and the east wing. The leaders of the 1916 Rising were killed by firing squad in the yard, and I actually, um, I'll post those when when we post this episode. Um, Eric, if you're looking, so where those crosses are, because it's on on opposite ends of each other. They're like directly across from each other. Mm -hmm. That's where some of these uh, revolutionaries were, were shot by firing squad. And so that's why those crosses are there just to kind of mark where that happened, because those were a big, a big turning point um, having those deaths occur. And, and yeah, so that's why it's important and it changed the, the history of, of Ireland. There was no segregation in the prison, meaning that uh, men, women, and children were all, all housed in the same cells. They did say, though, that um, a lot of the time there is labor that had to be done, obviously, because it's a jail. So the women and children were mostly like downstairs, like doing the laundry, cooking, cleaning kind of thing. And the men were meant to do like, you know, building repairs or like, uh, I don't know, more manly stuff, you know, that were not traditionally meant for women. And and it's crazy to to even say no segregation in the prison and then ha having children in that sentence. Like Yeah. Uh and I have a well we're going to talk about it later. But 
they were housed up to five to a cell. But here's the thing. Originally, when they had built this bigger um, prison and designed it, it was meant for only one prisoner in each room because they felt that um, if they didn't have other people to like influence them, that they had a better chance of you know, turning their life around and, and repenting and, and being better people and coming out of it a better person. Um, but just more and more prisoners kept coming. And so it ended up trying to squeeze in five people to a cell. And I believe I have pictures, yeah, of the cells as well. They're, they're not that big. Um, so imagine having five people in there. And they even said that it got so bad that people were sleeping in the hallways of these cells too. So they were way, way, way over capacity. Um, there was no, what's up? No, I was just going to say the <clears throat> the dimensions, they, well, I guess you'll get to it right now, but it seemed like the room, or maybe I just don't know what a 300 square foot room actually looks like. So there, uh, there is a few different cells because um, on the older part of the jail, you could tell that, that they were much smaller. Um, they're the ones with the little, that look like I took the pictures through the peephole. Um, those are smaller. And then the ones that were built in the newer part, which let's see, are where like the white and green walls are, where it like opens up and it's like a really big room. Those were slightly larger. Um, and there is very little natural light. Uh, I don't know if, again, also kind of depending on, um, which, cell you got yeah because there are some that had uh, little windows and some uh that were pretty closed off the super sad thing is that children were also arrested like we mentioned before for like petty theft and um eric i know that you wrote down that the youngest child was said to have been seven Mm -hmm. um but the our tour guide said that the youngest child to be imprisoned was do you want to take a guess five Three, three, three years old for, for theft, if I remember correctly. And like, have you ever watched the, uh, Sweeney Todd? Yes, but I watched it like a long time ago, so I haven't seen it in a while. Well, there's a scene where Judge Turpin, um, who plays Snape in Harry Potter is like, uh, sentencing a, a person, you know, to death, actually. He's like, oh, because you did this and that, I sentence you to death. And the camera pans over to the person being sentenced and it's like a child and he's just like, oh, and he starts crying. I'm like, holy shit. But like, and it's like, it's crazy because like, oh, that's a movie. But like, no, that shit actually happens. They yeah. were putting children in prison. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the prisoners were actually stayed there because they were being sent to Australia and as well as New Zealand. Uh, mm-hmm. Britain had made various uh, penal col- colonies throughout Australia from 1788 through 1868 uh, due to overcrowding of the, the prisons. So they used to send prisoners to American colonies until the American Revolution happened too. The poor conditions that women lived in spurred the next stage of development. And in 1840, 30 female cells were added to the west wing of the jail to to try and relieve overcrowding. 
the improvements weren't made very long before the Great Famine and uh, Kilmainham was overwhelmed with an influx of prisoners. Uh, a lot of them would purposely commit crimes so that they would be arrested because that meant that they would get a roof over their heads, even if it meant in a crowded small space, and um, and they would get three three square meals a day because they had to. It was, you know, one of the rules. So they would purposely um, they would purposely commit these crimes so that they would have somewhere to stay and food to eat. And many prisoners were jailed for minor offenses such as petty theft or unpaid debts. Like, yeah, some of because um, you can see what some of the the people were in prison for, and you're just like, what? Like seriously? Like for that? Like it's just the the dumbest things, but. Mm-hmm. On Easter Monday in 1916, the Irish Citizens Arm and Irish Volunteers joined forces and took over the government buildings. They declared themselves an independent Irish Republic, but were overwhelmed by British forces a week later. Jail had been closed in 1910, but was reopened to house all the men and women that had been captured, which numbered in the hundreds. Fourteen leaders of the rebellion faced the firing squad. James Connolly, who had been injured, was carried on a stretcher, tied to a chair, and executed. And so this his story is actually even sadder than that, because um, they had set him up to, to be shot by firing squad, but they couldn't kill him because he was just so, like, beat up and battered and bruised kind of thing that he couldn't, like, he was just hunched over in his chair, so they couldn't get, like, a clear shot of like his chest and other vital organs. So they actually had to like strap him back like an up because he couldn't hold himself up. Um, and then he was executed. And that one is of the pictures that I sent you is the one with the door um, on, on the right. And then on the other side uh, is where a whole, I, I don't remember exactly how many, maybe six other um Rebel leaders were were also shot like at a time kind of thing. But many British citizens were horrified by these executions. And um, that's why I'm saying like, it's not a good thing that they died, obviously, but because of their deaths, they became martyrs. And it just was a, a huge turning point for for all of this. And the prison was occupied until 1924 when the Civil War ended and all the prisoners were released, leaving the jail abandoned. So yeah, then after that, uh, so we'll we'll talk about the the restor the restoration of the jail. Um, in the 1950s, a grassroots movement for the preservation of the Kilmainham uh, jail began to develop. Larkin C. G. Leonard, a young engineer, along with a small number of like-minded nationalists, uh, formed the Kilmainham's uh, Kilmainham Jail Restoration Society in 1958. And with the momentum for the project growing, the Irish Congress on Trade Unions informed the society that their plans for restoration would not be opposed and that the Building Trades Council had given given it their approval. On February of 1960, the society's detailed plan for the restoration project received approval and the notoriously frugal Department of Finance. Work on the restoration began with a force of six, uh, 60 volunteers in May of 1960, and they were they worked on clearing out overgrown vegetation, trees, fallen masonry, and bird droppings. 
1962, the symbolically important prison yard where the leaders of the 1916 Easter Rising were executed uh, had been cleared of rubble, rubble, weeds, and restoration of the Victorian section of the prison was near completion. Uh, the jail opened back up to the public, or the oh, the jail opened to the public in April on April tenth of nineteen sixty six, and the final restoration site was complete in nineteen seventy one when the chapel had been reopened to the public. The chapel had been roofed, refloored, and the altar had been uh, reconstructed. So, could this be part of what was making stuff happen in the chapel? Well, and and the. Another tragic story, actually, that that took place in the chapel was one one of these, uh, you know, revolutionary leaders. Um, he they granted him like one last wish kind of thing before he was executed, and he was like, "I want to marry my fiance," um, because they were engaged. But um, you know, he got captured, so they brought them into this chapel. Um, they were you know, married, their witnesses were two prison guards. Um, and then they gave them 10 minutes to essentially just say their final goodbyes. Uh, afterwards they asked the wife, like, what did you guys talk about? And she's like, we, we didn't like, I guess that it was too tragic and that neither of them could, you know, bring themselves to say anything to each other really. Um, but yeah, so it's it's like stories like that that just kind of made people like fuck this and revolt even more. Dude, yeah. but like it's like what do you say? Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm literally about to go get shot. But, you know, and you're just married. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a huge bummer. I will say like I walked in, I was like, whoa, cool, a chapel. This looks great. And then I heard the story and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I got really bummed really quick. So, I mean, there's a lot of tragedy, obviously. I mean, it's a prison, but, you know, in this one in particular. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will, and we'll get to the chapel right now, but if that was, if what's in the chapel is, would I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. Yeah. Uh, the McGill family were the residential caretakers who who had been part of the project since the beginning when the jail was handed over to the office of public works. And in 2013, the Kilman house, uh, sorry, Kilmanham courthouse was handed over to the OPW, uh, to be refurbished as well, which is the office of public works. It was part of the broader de- redevelopment of the jail and the surrounding Kilmanham Plaza in advance of the hundredth anniversary of the 1916 Easter rising. The courthouse opened in 2015 as the attached visitor center for the jail. Tilmingham Jail is one of the biggest unoccupied prisons in Europe, empty of prisoners, but full of history. It houses a museum on the history of Irish nationalism, offers uh, guided tours, and the top floor has an art gallery that exhibits paintings, sculptures, Mm -hmm. and jewelry of prisoners from from all over contemporary Ireland. I didn't know about that, or we didn't see that at least, but mm-hmm. um, kind of going back to the the jail and, and it being uh, built a little bit bigger, uh, again, the pictures that I sent you where there's like a huge staircase and then just prison cells like on either side, like three, four, three floors worth, that whole thing was built in a way to reform the prisoners in uh, – 
all-seeing eye type of way um, because they wanted them to have like a daily reminder that they are like essentially like God is watching. Um, and if you actually, and I'll have to send you the video maybe through Instagram or something, brother, but yeah, I'll send it to you through Instagram. If you, if you stand inside one of the cells, the little peephole that they had to look out of looks like the shape of an eye. Um, because they wanted that reminder of like, yeah, you're always being watched basically. Um, and then wherever you stand inside the, if you, if you're a prison guard, wherever you stand inside that building, you can see into each one of the cells. So it was easy to, um, to keep an eye on everybody basically. And then the open, the ceiling was like glass, I guess, or just, you know, an open ceiling. So the sunshine would come through and, which is just good for mental health, but was also like a God is supposed to be a reminder of like a God is watching kind of thing. And that was like my only opportunity to record <clears throat> anything because um, we were inside a cell, so he couldn't see us. But. He was covering the all seeing eye, so it wouldn't be seen. Yeah, right. Uh, but there's, and right in the middle of, of the, those prison, that prison building, I guess, are like a set of stairs that go downwards. And like Carlos got in front of that, he's like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like super creepy. Um, and there is actually, you know, I know I, we're going to get into some of the spookier stuff, but um, there was one, there was a couple of prison cells that were like five times this the size of these normal cells. And those were for like the important prisoners. Um, and I never really got creepy like vibes from anywhere really of this other than just like an overwhelming like man it must have been terrible living here kind of thing yeah um but this this one prison cell that that was one of the for important people that one i walked into and like felt not so great and the, the story wasn't super tragic or anything uh, obviously the person who was in there he was uh, another revolutionary leader he ended up getting executed um but I don't know why that one felt uh, off compared to the rest of the jail f for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. Everything else just felt kind of like a just tragic in the sense that like you're hearing all these tragic stories and it's a bummer. But it looks really creepy. Like they did a pretty good job of keeping everything. Oh, I didn't send it to you, but the the stairs are all stone also. And because prisoners were always going up and down the stairs, like they're curved, like they're worn down and like curved. Oh, so you shit. have to, yeah, you have to like watch where you're stepping and how you're stepping because um, you think you're going to hit like the next step. And the next step is literally this slow because it's just so uh, worn out. And it was weird. That that was a weird feeling going up those steps for sure. Well, let's talk about some of the, the ghost sightings. Earlier, we mentioned the McGill family who were the residential caretakers of the jail. And uh, Governor Dan McGill and his family lived McGill, right? Yeah, that's McGill, yeah. McGill and his family lived in the the warden's quarters. And one night, after having secured the property and turn on, turning off all the lights, he returned to his quarters and he was looking out into the courtyard. And he noticed that the lights of the chapel were on. He went to investigate and found nothing unusual, and the chapel was empty. Or was it? So he went back to his quarters, and after taking only a few steps, he turned around, and to his surprise, the lights had been switched back on. This happened multiple times throughout the night, and so he finally gave up and left whoever or whatever was in there to their games. 
And it's like, what if it's the couple that were trying to um, have their wedding? And yeah, it was a bummer. Yeah. Have a conversation. Yeah. See, apparently Irish Irish ghosts like to turn on and off lights. So <laughs> probably a ghost in the restroom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other thing that a lot of people experience are disembodied footsteps. Uh, a very common occurrence during the restoration of the jail was the sound of steps running up to people who were working there only to stop right next to them. Most of the time they felt a sudden icy chill come over them and uh, when they looked up. And uh, people would often hear like the trudging of boots as if soldiers were parading around or like a soldier's like, as, sorry, as if a soldier's parade was going on. Like, and that was a regular occurrence. I was just going to uh, mention again, some of the photos where it looks like I'm taking picture through people. Mm-hmm. There is times where like, it felt like a, uh, the the you were being looked at through them and like i would like mm. look inside i'm like i can almost envision or see prisoners in here and they actually did have really cool area like a museum portion of it where they um put like a door that looked like these prison doors with the little people and they had a, a a monitor playing so it looked like if you looked in through the people you could see uh the prisoners and like what they would be doing and stuff like that i was like holy shit this is exactly what i imagined kind of thing and, and yeah. to kind of see it you know replayed kind of thing. real i don't know i don't know they are they were very creepy to look at i remember the first picture i took i didn't even want to like look at the screen for fear of like <laughs> something popping out so i just stuck my phone in the hole and it's like click um and then i got braver and kept looking and it was funny at one point because i was standing next to one and i kept just like looking into it and looking into it kind of again that feeling of something's looking Watching. back i guess yeah and the the tour guide was like, and and so and so was prison in that cell right there, and like points right at me. I was like, "Fuck, I knew it! Someone important here is just like staring at me." <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was the the creepiest of anything. Um, but yeah, finish finish that, and I do I do want to say the ghost story at one point. But yeah, so one man who was restoring the echoing corridor claims that he heard footsteps climbing the stone stairs and walking the halls behind him and another person reported hearing footsteps and then feeling the sensation of something passing straight through him i can see that happening um especially the stairs for sure that i mean and this is the perfect place for stone tape theory because it's all made of stone so it would not surprise oh, me yeah um, <clears throat> the dungeon. The most famous ghostly visitation happened during the same period that Dan McGill had his experience. While a painter was working in the dungeon, he was hit by an unseen force that pushed him right across the room, pinning him to the wall. The man had to fight to get free, which terrified him. Needless to say, he left all his equipment there and he never returned. And I can, I can imagine some of these ghosts being, yeah. you know aggressive um, yeah yeah so today paranormal activity continues to be experienced by staff and visitors to to this day heavy footsteps can still be heard in old parts of the prison and lights are still known to turn on and off by themselves tour guides have shared visitors experiences of cold spots hearing disembodied voices and doors slamming there's also been reports of people being pushed by unseen hands 
Several mediums have reported a dark or evil entity in the chapel during their visits. And a quote from a visitor was, uh, visited the old prison with my wife. It's a very interesting tour. Sad to hear what went on there. And the place feels very spooky as if someone is watching you every Oh, move. you see? Okay. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even read their like. Pre-read read that. that. Yeah. No. So yeah. I can confirm that it, especially in, um. The big open space one, it definitely feels like some like you're just being watched for sure. It's that all seeing eye, man. Yep. My wife felt scared. It's not a place I'd like to spend a night in. We definitely left with the opinion this place is genuinely haunted and very scary. I can't see how it couldn't be. But yeah. I did want to share the only possible but probably not uh, paranormal thing that happened was um, – we were standing in one of the halls. I'm trying to remember if I took a picture of it for you. Yes, actually. It's the very last one where there's like three women in it too. It was in that hall. The uh, tour guide was on the opposite side. Um, or I guess essentially where those women were standing and, and he was telling us a story uh, about how or telling us how uh, it went from one person per cell to ended up being five and how people were sleeping in the hall and stuff and everyone's facing him like listening to him tell the story and then he was like and that door is about to slam over there and as soon as he says it it just like the big heavy ass door just slams shut and everyone turns back he's like i promise it's not a ghost it's just you know like wind breeze and i don't know what it's like sure sure it is <laughs> um but no, i mean it it definitely could have been it's just there's open spaces and windows and stuff so mm-hmm. it's very possible but it just i almost wish that he hadn't said that until after it closed to like for everyone to get spooked out by like a door slamming behind them because there's nobody there and be like yeah. ah and everyone freaks out and then he could have said like it's just a drafty old building mm. but no he called it out first so he couldn't be surprised he ruined it <laughs> he did well anyway i want to thank uh wikipedia obviously uh <laughs> but i also got some info from authenticvacations.com spirited isles and hauntedrooms.co.uk for uh, some a lot of this information um it was interesting uh, and like i was i was happy because michelle was like ah i like you know that she hadn't really seen any ghost stuff for a lot of the places she had been to i was like no yeah i mean i was like this jail has to have some have some stuff yeah i it, like there's there were ghost tours but and I totally would have wanted to go on one, but uh, so it's like I I know that there's there's ghosts, but every place that I tried to look up, like I couldn't find anything on it. Um, so I yeah, I just found that so weird because I'm like, for sure these places have to be haunted or have some sort of activity. Like I can't imagine that they wouldn't. And, um, we did go to the cemetery before our flight took off, um, and but even that was just so peaceful and it wasn't even creepy because the the the, um tombstones i guess are are so elaborate like so beautifully elaborate that it's almost like walking through a museum because you're just seeing literally marble carved like tombstones yeah it was beautiful and very calming there was even a lady there like walking her child just like if it's a park (laughs) through the cemetery um and and 
you know, no disrespect either. Like they literally do tours and have like a little cafe. Like it's very much a tourist attraction too. Um, so because it, because it genuinely is so beautiful there, I'll probably, you know, post some of those pictures too, uh, as well as some from the prison. No, I mean, and to be fair, like just the, the little stories that we mentioned here about the jail, um, those are really the only ones that I found. Uh, even on the three websites, they repeated, you know, the same stories, the same stories. So, I mean, and just that, that one, one of the websites did have that quote from that person, that visitor. So, uh, I mean, I wish more people would, if they had experiences right. there, they would share and, you know, write their stories or, or some of the tour guides would go into more detail I mean, I don't know if your tour guide mentioned anything about, you know. About hauntings or anything? Unfortunately, no. I, I did want Carlos to, because we had some time in the, the big open jail part. And I was like, can you just close the door behind me? Like, let me just take a moment by myself in there. He's like, no. I'm like, all right. And we had to go anyway, too, because we would like run out of time. Um, just to see if I could like feel or sense anything. But um, I didn't. Like I said, the only room that. And and that was because we walked into it first, or we were the first people to walk into it. it. Was that bigger prison cell that I was like, this doesn't feel good, but I yeah. I don't know why. Well, all right, guys. If you guys want would like to contact us, check out our website at webelievedu.com. On the website, there's a tab where you can find all our social media. So make sure you go like, follow, and share on Facebook or Instagram. There's also a little listen tab where you can listen to the show directly on our website or click the link to your favorite podcast listening site, such as Spotify and Apple podcast. You can also give us a five-star rating on Apple, which also helps us move up the ranks so more people can find us. And if you leave a review, we'll read that here on the show. If you want any of our merch, feel free to check out our merch tab where you can find a variety of designs on t-shirts, caps, and hoodies designed by Michelle herself. There's also a donate button if you really want to help us out. And finally, if y'all want to reach us besides DMing us on social media, you can click on the contact us tab where you can write in telling us that you want to be interviewed. We can keep you anonymous and only share the information that you want. You can also send in your stories for our stories of high strangeness. And if you send them in in Spanish, we can translate those for you. So don't be shy, guys. Share your stories with us because we believe. Do you? Do you?